This morning, before we start uh, a new series of studies in Matthew's Gospel next week, we're going to have the first of four, what I'm going to call Frontline Sundays. So what's a Frontline Sunday? Well, it's a Sunday when we think about following Jesus on our front lines. Uh, And what's our front line? Well, if you don't already know, just pay attention this morning and you will know by the time we finish. By the end of this morning, uh, and certainly by the end of this four-part series, which is going to be scattered, by the way, it's not, not going to be consecutive Sundays, we'll, we'll do it uh, over the next few months, we're going to learn that we have a front line, every one of us, that God is with us there, and that he's willing uh, us and helping us to live there for his glory. Maybe the best way to get you warmed up uh, for this series is to show you a a short video. Uh, Let's watch the the video together just now. Over a month, around 6% of the UK gather together to worship Jesus. It feels like we're too few to make a difference. But the reality is, Monday to Saturday, God has us. Scattered in the world, connecting to hundreds and thousands of people. So wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you do, you can make all the difference in the world. And on Sundays, when we gather together, we strengthen and empower one another to be sent out again for life on our front lines. It's a a great wee video, just just gets the the mind going uh, and the juices running. It reminds us that the church is a body of people that gathers on Sundays, but then scatters during the week. So whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we do, with Christ's help, we can make all the difference in the world. Tell me this, why do your friends think you come to church? Your neighbors and your colleagues, what do you think they they make of this? You know, particularly those ones who don't go to church themselves. Why do they think you come here? If you tell people that you go to church, they'll think that you come here because you're religious and that's just what religious people do. Or they'll think that that's where your friends happen to be and they'll, they'll think it's good that you come and connect with your friends. Or, or maybe they know that we support one another here and they're glad for your sake that you found some support here. Folks, you'll know there's a grain of truth in all of these views, but they miss what the Bible says about the church. Whenever Peter writes his letter to these small groups of of Christians scattered across what we would call Turkey, he wants them to understand what it is to be the church. And he does it by helping them to see that they're part of the, the Old Testament people of God. He wants them to see that God's story is at the same time their story. 
You'll remember we talked in those terms before Christmas time when we thought about Genesis, the beginning of God's story, which is also our story. The opening verses of 1 Peter, if you have them open before you, Peter uses two key words and he shares a stunning truth. Two words and a truth. So the first word right there in the opening verse of chapter 1, elect. We all know what an election is. It's whenever you choose somebody and you're choosing them for a particular job. Well, God's elected or chosen us and he's given us a particular job in the world. Before Christmas, we studied the opening chapters of Genesis and we finished our study, you might remember, with the Tower of Babel. It felt like the end of a story, but we said that it was really only the the end of the beginning of the story. The second part of the story of God's word begins in chapter 12 of Genesis. It begins with Abram, when God chooses Abram, when he elects him. God tells Abram that he's going to bless him and all his descendants so that they can be a blessing to the world. That's what Peter's talking about here, about being elected, about being chosen, just like Abram. Now, here's where this gets interesting. Not all these, these Christians in these churches in, in the area that Peter's writing to, not all of them would have been Jewish by descent. These, these Christians were from all sorts of nations. So what Peter does here is remarkable. He draws these non-Jewish Christians into the ongoing story of God's purposes for the world. He, he makes them who were never the people of God into the people of God. And he uses this language of being chosen. Israel had been chosen, but now they're chosen. He uses this language of calling and he tells them that God has chosen and called them. They are now his elect. Folks, the truth is that with the coming of Jesus, the people of God widened from being a mostly ethnic Jewish community into a community of all those who have come to God through his son, Jesus. Whatever our journey of faith has been, whatever our ethnic background, when we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, we become part of this chosen people. In the visual that we're using here today, we are the red dots. As we saw in the video, the red dots, they they visualize a statistic about life in the UK these days. The statistic tells us that around about 6% of people across the UK worship in a Christian church once a month or more. That's sobering, isn't it? That figure is depressingly low. Anytime I see a UK statistic about church life, I I immediately reinterpret it for Northern Ireland. Here's my sense. My sense is that our number is still higher and considerably higher, but my sense is that our number is falling fast too. And when you see us together like this, huddled together, it it makes it feel like we're very few. 
and it makes it feel like we won't ever be able to make a difference. Coming together then is so important. We, we gather as worshipers, we gather to remind ourselves that we believe a very particular story about the world. We believe that it's God's world, that he created it. We saw that last term. Uh, we believe that it's broken because of sin. We saw that too last term. And we believe that Jesus' death makes new life and redemption possible for everyone and for every corner of this world. We believe that one day everything can be transformed. As I said earlier, we're people who've made God's story into our story. And we live by this distinctive story in a culture that may not believe any of that. We're the red dots. And when we gather together, we do that to, to strengthen and encourage one another to be who we are, God's chosen people, God's elect. So that's the first word, we're, we're elect. The second term that Peter uses in verse one is the term exile. And that's a term that it refers to a part of the biblical story. It, it, refers, it refers to a great disaster uh, that happened for Israel when they lost their land whenever the, the people of Israel first came under God's judgment when they, they lost their place in the promised land, at first they hoped for a quick return. They didn't want to live in exile, understandably, but the prophets told them that, that for most of the first generation of exiles, they, they wouldn't ever return. Instead, they were going to stay where they were, they were going to remain distinct, and they were going to be a blessing to the people of Babylon. Think for a moment what it is to be in exile. When we're in exile, we're not, not the majority, we're the minority. Whenever we're in exile, we tend to feel scattered, dislocated. Sometimes we don't feel at home. Today, when we are followers of Jesus Christ, we, fend, we spend most of our time feeling scattered. We don't spend all our time with fellow Christians. We, we might be the only disciples of Jesus at home or at work or in our class in school. These are the places where we've been called now to shine for Jesus, to represent him. And it's really important, sticking with the, the diagram here, it's really important that we don't gray out and lose our distinctiveness and become like the surrounding culture. Actually, the opposite needs to be true. God has chosen us. He plans for us to live for his glory in our scattered contexts. He wants to use our red dots to help other dots turn red. It's these places that God scatters us to that we have in mind when we talk about our front line. Front lines are the everyday places. The places where we live, work, study, or play. The places where we're likely to connect with people, many of whom don't yet know Jesus. Every Christian has a front line. From a school child to a retiree, we are the scattered people of God. 
Don't be put off, by the way, by the, the battlefield association that comes with, a, with the word frontline. We don't go to our front lines to fight. We go there to bless people in the name of King Jesus. This morning, I want to raise this idea with you that you have a front line. And I want to invite you to identify your front line or front lines. Think about it a moment, for a moment. Where is it that you spend your time? Where do you spend time, particularly with some people who may not yet know Jesus? Could be the school gate. Could be the workplace or the sports club. It could be at school or college. It could be a, a book club. It could be somewhere that you volunteer. It could be looking after your grandchildren. It could be your home and the people who come into your home to be caregivers to you, if that's your stage of life. I want you to identify your front line for yourself. And over time, I want to invite you to show the rest of us where your front line is. How do I want you to do that? Well, I want you to put a red pin on a map. Let me show you what I mean. Don't know how well you can read the, the font on that map. It's quite small, but you'll see it has a couple of red pins on it. I've used a couple of pins to identify my main front lines. I connect with a lot of people here, uh, here in this building and around our, our site here. So I've put a pin on Hamilton Road to say that this, this church building is, is a big front line for me. I've also put uh, a pin on uh, uh, one end of Ward Avenue because I have a front line there. I connect with my wife and my children in, in a very significant way in my home. So those are two of my front lines. Because I, a lot of my work is caught up in the church, I don't have quite as much of a, a front line reach beyond the church as some of you might have. So where are you going to place your pins? As I said, it could be the school gate, the workplace, the sports club, college, book club, somewhere where you volunteer. Could be anywhere, really. Could be your home and people who come by. I've, I've actually placed two maps in the vestibule. One's a map of Bangor, uh, because I think a lot of us will have a very localized sense of our front lines. A lot of the connections we make with people happen in this town. But I've also put a map of the whole of Northern Ireland because I'm conscious that a lot of people commute to work. Uh, you, you, aren't, you aren't inside the ring road or near to the ring road. You, you get out of town and you go and do other things in other places. So I want you to, to stick some pins on there. Now, by the way, even a map of Northern Ireland is not big enough to capture your front lines. I know that. Uh, some of you maybe commute to Dublin or to London or Mumbai. Why don't you stick a, a, a pin around the edges of that map of Northern Ireland and maybe write where, where your front line is if it's, if it's further afield, if it's something we can't capture on the map. So those, those maps I'm showing you there, that's a photograph of the, the maps that are in the vestibule. There are 600 pins there, red pins. That should get us started. And what I'd love you to do today as you leave the building is stick a pin somewhere. Show us where your front line is, where you're living for Jesus 
day by day so that we can, can see where we are as a scattered family. We've thought of two words. We're elect and we're exiles. Finally, from this passage, a stunning truth. The whole of the Trinity of God is at work with you and through you. Look at this passage. These, these people Peter writes to, he tells them that they've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Did you know that? That you're known to God? The life that you're living, those joys that you've experienced this week and the crushing defeats. He knows about them. And, and the stunning truth is that he knew about them and he knows about you before you ever came to be. He knows your life. He sees it. So we're known according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, but, but also we've been set aside through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means that God chooses us not because we're better than other people. Those of us who gather in the church here aren't intrinsically any better than the people who don't. If, if you still imagine that we are, please forget that. We're, we're absolutely not. We're here only by the grace of God. But what he does when he calls us is he gets to work on us by his Spirit. He wants to sanctify us, to make us holy, better, purer, more beautiful than, than we currently are. That's what God wants to do with me. And that's what he wants to do with you, with us. He wants to make us into a beautiful people for his glory. Isn't that wonderful? So the Father knows us, the Spirit's changing us. And, says Peter third, we're being sprinkled, we've been sprinkled in the blood of Jesus. When we read about the blood of Jesus, we naturally think of the cross, that moment when he gave his life for us so that we could be reconciled to his Father God. Peter certainly has that in mind. But, but he has something very particular in mind here when he talks about our, our, our being sprinkled in the blood of Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, when God made a covenant with his people, they'd be sprinkled with blood. It was a sign of the covenant. So, so we can be confident in, in the covenant, in God's promises to us, in our relationship that we have with God, because we've been sprinkled in the blood of Jesus. We're his. He's never going to let us go. So, with this short passage we've looked at this morning, we, we've seen that Peter's excited about all that God has in store for these young Christians. He's reminded them and us that we're elect and that we're exiles. He's reminded them and us that the whole Trinity is at work making us the people that God's made us to be. And Peter says that it's all to make us obedient to Jesus. God's aligning us 
with Christ and his purposes in the world. God's making us more like Jesus so that we can be little Christs in all these places where he's scattered us to be. In our remaining three Sundays of this uh, short series, we're going to explore the implications of this for us. Wherever we are, whatever we do, and whoever we are. So folks, we're, we're people who gather and scatter. We're red dots when we gather and strengthen one another as distinctive people. But we remain red dots when we scatter to so many different places with so many different people. We're people who can make all the difference in the world. Folks, I, I've really been excited about being back with you this morning. I love Sundays. I love that time in the week when, when we all get together, brothers and sisters in Christ, enjoying the company of our Father God by his spirit. You'd kind of hope that, wouldn't you? You'd kind of hope that a minister likes Sundays. But I, I need to tell you, I love being your minister Monday to Saturday too. I love thinking of what you're up to Mondays and Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, and Fridays and Saturdays. You see, we're still the church, even when we're not together. I get excited when I think of all those places that you're scattered during the week. I had a look at Church Suite as I was preparing this week. Um, there's a, a place on Church Suite, you, you may know this, uh, many of you have done this, you can fill in what your occupation is. Uh, not everyone's had a chance to do that, so it's, it's far from complete. But let me tell you what's already on there. I'm going to try and share this list. Relax, this is going to take a moment, of, all right? We've got accountants, administrators, administrative assistants, airline pilots, apprentice electricians, architectural advisors, an assistant minister. We've got carers, children's worker, uh, Christian media, civil servants, classroom assistant, clinical research nurse, coach operator, collections correspondent, consulting design engineer, a customer assistant, dental nurses, deputy heads of school, development consultant, director of gatherings and communications. We have doctors. We have an EA to a CEO. We have education officers. We have an estate and outreach manager. We have a facilities maintenance officer. We have financial administrators. We have a general manager. We have GPs. And we have grandchildren minders. And I'll take a breather there. We have guest house owners and head teachers. We have hospital play specialists. We have a hotelier, we have housewives, we have ICT technicians, we have an IT engineer, we have an implementation consultant, we have insurance brokers, we have an Ireland coordinator for a Christian organization. We have a jockey in our congregation. Did you know that? We have landscape architects, we have a machine engineer, we have makeup artists, we have managers, we have manufacturing engineers, we have medical students, we've got a minister, we've got ministers emeritus, we have an MLA, we have mortgage insurance brokers, we have a nurse, we are more than one I'm sure, nursery assistants, occupational therapists, 
office and finance managers, oral surgeons, pastoral associates, pharmacists, physiotherapists, preschool, primary and post-primary teachers. We have product managers, professional angling guides. Did you know that? We have a professor, we have a project manager, we have a radio producer, writer and teacher, we have a radiographer, uh, we have residential social workers, we have retired people. By the way, we have quite a number of retired people. Some people on Church Suite are simply retired. Other people tell us that they're a retired such and such. Uh, the psychologist in me was wondering which, which ones tell us what their job used to be and which ones just tell us they're retired. I wasn't sure. We've retired civil servants, college lecturers, deaconesses, ministers, nurses, physiotherapists, principals, quantity surveyors, and teachers. You'll notice this list's alphabetical. Don't lose hope. We have sales consultants, schedule, scheduler and planning officer, a senior manager, a senior social worker. We have a service delivery manager, someone working in a ski resort. We have a social worker, software developers with solicitors, speech and language therapists. We have stores and warehouse people. We have supervisors. We have people in transport planning, travel agents and youth workers. Isn't that quite something? And that's really only the tip of the iceberg. You're everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. I wouldn't want to try and be out and about in Bangor for a week and try and avoid making contact with a Hamilton Rotor. I'd have no chance. I, I wouldn't want to be at large in Northern Ireland and not be bumping into very soon somebody who is from this church or who's related to somebody from this church. Folks, you're scattered, you're all over the place. But you're chosen. You've been sent there by the living God to give him glory on your front lines. God bless you wherever you go this week. And may he use you to make all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God, that we are your church, the body of Christ in the world. Lord, we're grateful for our Sunday life and worship that equips us for the days when we're apart. Help us to see afresh the possibilities of our everyday lives. May we know your presence with us in the pressures and in the potential of each week. Help us to leave traces of grace wherever we are and whatever we do. Amen.